Hello everyone, I'm afraid you've only got me today and uh, yeah, I thought that I would give some reflections on the last kind of five years of my journey uh, being an independent and uh, what I've seen, learnt and then uh, more recently kind of getting back into the, the, corporates, uh, the corporate world. So for those of you that, um, uh, that don't, uh, don't know, um, I started out my journey back in the uh, end of 2016, beginning of uh, January 2017 when I was made redundant and uh, set up my own business beyond sales limited with a view of um, helping uh, primarily sales and marketing teams uh, help understand the concepts of um, social selling really digital selling modern selling whatever we're calling it uh, today and uh, early on into my journey i then um, met uh, both uh, tim hughes and um, adam gray who are the co-founders of uh, digital leadership uh, associates and uh, dla ignite and form an associates uh, kind of agreement with them and kind of worked in parallel under their uh, their brand for the large part of um of what uh, what i did and that i guess started me really in terms of this deep foray into how do you use social and uh, and digital, but then sort of create a, a change program, if you will, around that. I mean, if I'm honest with myself, the, the story really started back in my Berman Leighton Paisner days, uh, back in 26, no, this would have been 2014, 20, 2014, I think, when um, LinkedIn kind of launched Sales Navigator and uh, I implemented a few licenses there and then took that to Jones Langler, Jones Langler Cell. But of course, that was uh, from an internal perspective rather than taking that step outside and um, having, I guess, a broader view as to what was happening in the um, in the market. Uh, it was a it's been a fascinating uh, roller coaster ride, if uh, if you will. Uh, met some amazing people along the along the way, and um, uh, yeah, be towards the end of this year opportunity arose to come on board with PA Consulting to support um, our own sales transformation journey, if you will, but also build this and continue to build the proposition of what it was doing, but uh, under the PA brand, which gives me access to uh, automation specialists, AI specialists, data integration uh, specialists in the digital space, change, well-being, rewards, uh, op model design and uh, and so on. So now I've got a wealth of knowledge and insight that I'm able to, to access. But it's around, I guess, you know, what we've seen over the last two years, if you will, in terms of the what the pandemic has has done. We all know the the kind of the research out there that digital transformation or change programs have been accelerated, you know, tenfold by everything that's happened. And we've been forced as all industries to dare us to move into this this quasi hybrid virtual virtual world where you know face to face meetings aren't as prevalent as necessarily they they were and even moving forwards as we are December 2021 for those that are listening maybe into 2022 you know goodness knows what's going to happen with omicron in terms of what that means and varying variants moving forwards we don't we don't know but Certainly, if I reflect back at the the beginning of when this all all happened, um, just had <laughs> verbally agreed a what I mean my biggest contract with uh, a huge um, software provider, which would have meant I would have gone traveling around the traveling around the world. So back then, this concept of using kind of social and social selling and social networks as part of your overall go to market strategy was starting to to accelerate. Um, the pandemic then uh, then hit, and we all know that what happened the rest is is history and we're creating we're creating history 
I think what was interesting was evidently people understood that they needed to default to social and LinkedIn is is kind of the primary place to do this from a, from a B2B perspective. But what was also interesting is that whilst they knew they needed to engage, it was evident that we were still in a state of shock as to what, what had happened and businesses were focusing just as much as you know, getting their <coughs> their systems online, as it were, into a virtual world, home setup. How do we operate and connect, you know, internally? And we saw you know the, the the rise of Zoom and Teams and Google Hangouts and how we had to adapt very quickly to uh, this world of video conferencing and and everything in, in between uh, on that. But still, then it was where you would have thought there would have been an acceleration in the need for training around social, social selling, industrial selling. It, it didn't really, if I'm honest, trans, transpire. It didn't really translate certainly through 2020. And even through the beginning of 2021, there was, yes, I know we need to do it, but we're considering where else we invest this dollar spend. Is it better invested elsewhere within the, um, uh, within the, the business? And that, that I guess gave me time to step back and step out of the social selling bubble, if you if you will. And I got involved in some other groups, which you may well have heard me talk about. So Justin Michaels, the, the sales borg, and Justin's been a very good close friend of mine over the over the years, and got onto his Discord and got into his WhatsApp group. And I opened my eyes really, I guess, to what's what's been happening out there in the broader context of sales and marketing in the in the SaaS tech world because my those of you that know me my audience is primarily or people I primarily work with in the professional service space and certainly within in the realms of uh, PA consulting our client base is you know big FTSE 100 fortune 500 global organizations where dare I say that kind of traditional as we see SaaS tech approach the hard kind of outbound approach, if, if you will, supported by a sales engagement, sales, sales engagement platform to kind of automate it. Not saying it wouldn't work and it couldn't work, but that's not necessarily where those or where our client base certainly is in that um, in that space. But what it did kind of open my eyes up to is to the acceleration of the technology that has happened out there. And Anybody, dare I say it, that says something doesn't work. And typically, these are, these are people that are focused on one particular area of the top of funnel or part of the end-to-end sales process. And I've been guilty of it in the past. I've you know, freely put my hands up. You can go find blog posts written a number of years ago where you know, social selling is, is the only way forward. Cold calling doesn't, uh, doesn't work. You know, marketing is, um, or advertising is, is dead as we know it's and paid adverts don't, uh, don't work and email marketing don't work. So I, I, I was drinking through, through the Kool-Aid of social selling, if you will, freely put my hands up to, uh, to admit that. But coming through the other side of that, back to my earlier point, or earlier statement, I was saying that anybody that says that something doesn't work, especially if they don't operate in the industries in which they're, I guess, casting aspersions on, I feel for me is, is borderline arrogant and borderline dangerous in terms of the advice that you can provide someone. 
And of course, the problem with opinions and the problem with social media is they're much like ourselves. Everyone's got one, right? <clears throat> it's whether you choose to understand that, yes, elements of what people are talking about is right, but fundamentally, you can't look at this isn't a one or other thing. And yeah, okay, I fully admit that I will suggest that paid advertising on, on social from a B2B perspective doesn't necessarily work all the time. But then, you know, speaking to people that operate in this space and understand the paid ad world far more than uh, than I do, it really depends on what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve and where you're trying to trying to get uh, with it. And this then starts to come down to kind of influence, if you will. And this is where the title of this podcast sort of comes around in terms of relationships, sales and, uh, and influences around. This is all part and parcel of all of it put together. So if you're trying to leverage kind of broader awareness and overall influence, then it depends again on those outcomes that you're trying to, to achieve. And this then for me is where this all starts to sort of unravel is when you say one thing does work and one thing doesn't work fundamentally where i believe that we are now going is that the, the the entry point or the starting point if you will to how a business conversation is started is as much dictated by the audience with whom you are selling to and marketing to if you want to include marketing in this as much as as anything and i reflect on uh, recording a podcast with Devon Banks around this um, brilliant uh, salesperson. She's kind of smashing it through through the roof, breaking down kind of uh, the glass ceilings in terms of promoting women in tech and trying to break down the bro culture and all this kind of fun stuff. But, you know, to her point when we were talking, you know, she said that she sells primarily to, they have um, these breakdown software for breakdown companies and so on, which helps with all sorts of varying things, scheduling, booking, tracking, Think even route planning and so on but to her point she said fundamentally i i kind of have to call call because apart from the major global operators who yes they are on the social media platforms the small independents they aren't on linkedin they may not even be on twitter it's just not how they operate so therefore i have to call call because that's the route uh, the route into them supported probably by some kind of paid advertising on facebook because that's typically where the audience hangs out so it's around creating that influence if you will of awareness through through paid then supported by the route to market which is you know cold cold calling and if you try to use kind of social selling if you will as as a route of influence to to that market <laughs> it's just not going to work if that's where your market your market is or isn't and again reflect on um conversations had with jerry hill who's part of um uh, connect and sell, CRO for Europe, connect and sell, one of these power assisted uh, dialers. And I remember seeing this research, I remember seeing the research from, um, from McKinsey, and that's a challenge with research, you can get it to suit any, <clears throat> any narrative that you, you look for. But this one, you know, they analysed um, 60,000 um, SaaS deals uh, in, the, uh, in the US market. And uh, I believe it was in the region of 60 plus 70% of those deals all originated, i.e. were initiated by a, a cold call. So to say that cold calling doesn't work, you know, for me, is, is just fundamentally wrong. I'm not suggesting it's for everyone. 
um, and it's not for all um, audiences. Again, in the world of professional services, in the world of um, law and legal and, uh, and so on, yeah, of course, cold calling happens, but it doesn't happen at the volume uh, that it happens in, in, in the SaaS world. And primarily, the way that it happens in professional services world, it's around relationships. So it, it is relationships and the influence within those relationships that starts to, to drive those sales opportunities. And a lot of those opportunities also are typically inbound driven, dare I say it, rather than necessarily kind of proactive outbound in the proactive way that one may consider in, in, SaaS, in SaaS sales uh, worlds. So of course, there, there is outbound, but typically it's driven by the influence of, of the partnership or the senior leadership uh, to a certain extent, the influence of the brand under which they, um, they uh, operate. But fundamentally, you look at all the major consulting houses, it's a bit like you don't get fired for hiring IBM kind of, uh, kind of attitude. And therein, this is when absolutely social selling and leveraging relationships and influence is, is critical, is, is key around how do you then understand that network to create that top of funnel conversation and nurture and um, maintain moving, um, moving forward. But if you go into the conversations in the broader kind of cold calling arena, um, email outbound uh, arena, again, they're all saying that they all recognize that relationships and influence are a critical aspect of, of that overall top of funnel outbound approach. Because of course, in an ideal world, when you're cold calling, if I reflect back on you know what the conversation, the podcast with uh, with Devon, of course she did a research where she go the internet, social media platforms to try and find out as much of these individuals as she could before necessarily going into um, a call. If you look at you know the way that the, you know the connecting the cells, these power assisted dialers work, it's all around a the data that you you're putting into these systems to start with and how clean that that is. And then it gives you nudges and hints as you're kind of having those conversations to start to, draw, to drive that top of final conversation. And of course, if you can reference a referral in that uh, opening call, that opening salvo, if you, uh, if you were going X, Y, Z suggested that we have a conversation, then straight away you are already using the, the power of influence of a relationship to try and initiate and spark that conversation to kick on further. You know, if you look at how you might send a connection request on, on LinkedIn, typically for me, a cold or cracked connection request is no different from a cold call. It's no different from a, um, a cold email. It's fundamentally exactly the, the same. Now, one might argue that um, it's less of an interruption, however, one looks at, I don't disagree, I think it's as much as an interruption, whether it's a cold email, cold connection request, or cold call, because you get the ping, it could distract you from what you're doing, you're taking maybe two, two three minutes out of your day to, to consider it, delete, reply, what have you. However, if you are able to leverage a relationship that can influence the start of that, uh, that business conversation, I don't really care whether that's starting with a cold call, whether that's starting with a, a cold email, whether that's starting with a, 
a cold um, a cold kind of connection on um, on LinkedIn. Now, of course, where all of this is going around the, the concept of how do you use your your social networks of influences in the perfect world to to drive that that inbound, but you can't have one in my view without the other so you the it's, it's the push and the uh the pull now of course it's if you're just sitting there passively from a um social perspective that's almost the same as not ringing not doing making the dials as it were or not sending the emails you need to be sort of pro proactive in terms of your posts and creating your content and whatever it might be in the same way that you would need to be proactive in terms of how you would go about doing your your dials or your your emails but all three of those, in my view, are all underpinned by one thing in common, and that's the understanding of your intended audience, the understanding, if you will, of your ideal customer profile, which typically is going to be underpinned by a data source in some shape or form. So it could be um, lists that you're buying from, you know, Cognizant or Zoom Info or whoever. Um, it could be based on data that you're surfacing through um, social media platforms. So LinkedIn, Twitter, what have you, website data that you're finding. It could well be uh, news reports, Google alerts that you're surfacing as a reason to um, make that, uh, that kind of the outbound approach or the reason maybe for writing that, uh, that LinkedIn post or that article to start to drive uh, conversations um, with people. And, and this for me is where I'm starting to believe that the power of kind of your sales, the relationships and influence underpinned, if you will, by data and good data, but this has to come from multiple, uh, multiple places in, um, uh, in my view. And it could be your own data, it could be third party data, website data, marketing data, email data, social media data, Google, Google Trends is a great one, um, free to use, go into Google Trends and start just searching, you know, what's trending in terms of the keywords versus um, uh, other keywords and what people are, um, are searching, uh, answer the public. Uh, answerthepublic.com is another great um, tool that you can use for free to go in and type in a, a word or a phrase, and then it will tell you how people are, are searching that. You could then use that as part of the foundation for cold calling. So if you know that those happen to be the search terms that are, that are being leveraged, and you know you've got a good clean data list to go into your sales engagement platform, to go into your power assisted uh, dialer, all well, and, all well and good. Then you could potentially look at what White Rabbit Intel are doing, which is around psychographic data, so starting to almost match the right type of person, the right profile of, of individual, if you will, to, to your uh, ideal customer profile based on a multitude of, um, uh, of clever data points. Imagine then from an if you are able to then layer that in terms of those, the people that you want to get to, if we accept that any route out counts, call, email, social, imagine if we are able to start to score kind of influence, if you will. Not influence in terms of kind of brand influence as, you know, a la 
um, social media marketing, but the, the, the strength of influence that somebody has through the, through the, the relationships, through the, uh, you know, what LinkedIn and Microsoft provides you kind of, is the economic, economic graph, you know, the six degrees of separation, we're all connected to Kevin Bacon in some shape or uh, some shape or form, and it's probably more like two. And this is where I believe this starts to get really quite interesting is it's actually, let's, let's ignore this debate of this doesn't work, that doesn't work, you're wrong, I'm right. Let's start to look at the, the next iteration, the next step in, in all of this, especially if we are going to continue to be in a world where it is quasi-virtual hybrid because of the nature of what the pandemic has, um, uh, has done. Imagine if we could start to understand the power of the influence within our uh, within our networks. And again, influence is a very subjective, is a very subjective thing in terms of how much someone has over, you know, the influence of a, the influence within a relationship that someone has. That's good, good news. Is it a personal relationship? Is it a business relationship? Business? Is it, and so on and um, uh, so forth. So this is where the power of data and insight it starts to become really, really interesting and almost kind of push the route to market, in my view, as not secondary, because you will need to understand your audience as to whether you're going to take the cold calling rate, whether you want to take the um, the outbound email approach, whether you're going to take the paid marketing approach, the social selling approach, or fundamentally probably should be doing all of it. All of it needs to support you in some shape or um, uh, some shape or form. But how do we then start to bring in the influence within our networks. And this starts to open up, in my view, a whole different kind of chain of questions because this could then move beyond sales. This could move into all sorts of uh, conversations around supporting um, procurement, supporting supply chains, suppliers, especially large organizations. You know, if you could understand the, the, the level of influence within an organization, because hierarchy doesn't necessarily mean Influence, it means influence. Yes, okay, senior person says do something. They, the, the subordinates may do it, but it's more around who actually has the true influence to affect change or affect a decision being moved along or affect uh, something being sped up because they understand rather than doing it this way, you can do it this way, this way, because um, that kind of understanding and knowledge of influence is inside their, um, their, uh, their head. So of course you have LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which is starting to, well, not starting, but it surfaces um, the relationships, if you if you will, uh, albeit across a social network. Now again, we all know, and I fully accept this, that um, you will have connections on LinkedIn, as do I, that I've never ever spoken to them in my life. Now, if any of you wanted me to introduce you to them, um, I'd happily give it a go. But I say, look, connect to them, can't remember how, what, why, when, where. But we're a first reconnection, so what the hell? What's the worst that can happen? They just <laughs> they ignore me or say um, uh, or say no. Now the beauty of sales navigator, especially when you start to leverage this at at scale, is that uh, through TeamLink and TeamLink Extend, which then starts to create a virtual map across your uh, your organization, it starts to at least show those relationships. Or okay, let's choose a different word. Those connections on LinkedIn that you didn't necessarily 
know existed because of course in order to see someone who's connected you need to be connected to that person in the you know that first degree connection needs to exist so sales navigator and team link and team link team link extend um circumnavigate all, all of this and over the five plus years or no longer actually because seven eight years that I've been uh, the customer sales navigator twice and advising organizations around kind of sales nav and the broader the broader kind of piece around that you typically find that if there's a team link connection, it is more than likely it's a it's a business relationship of some form of influence where, yes, a a conversation can be had. Then it's only how strong that conversation is going to be, but typically I would suggest that through through team link, you are able to make an assumption there's probably an opportunity that I can leverage here across that relationship to start a sales conversation based on the level of influence within that. And again, that if you think about how that might uh, help internally large organizations where relationships are part of something. So relationships with procurement, relationships with suppliers, relationship with in-house legal teams, relationship with any aspects of the, uh, the entire end-to-end sales and marketing um, process, but it could be broader. You know, relationships are key in all of this and again i don't want to be drawn into if we go back to the sales perspective and this is more in the kind of the cold calling narrative about being liked um yes i or the element of trust because of course if someone cold calls you straight out of the blue you don't know them the same as a connection where you don't know the trust has to be built uh, over time it can certainly be accelerated if someone you trust or a trusted part of your network of influence then facilitates the start of that uh, that conversation but more broadly and again in this we consider the kind of virtual hybrid world that we currently find ourselves in where you may not be able to build that same level of trust dare i say in in this kind of video uh, environment uh, or audio environment for those of you listening versus watching on my uh, my youtube channel it starts to beg the question okay how might we be able to score and leverage that. So let's then take a look at something like IntraHive. So IntraHive.com, a brilliant piece of Canadian uh, software, which sits on your um, your, e- your email uh, email exchange, um, for example. And then what, I don't know, other, I know there are other systems out there, other tools and technology to do this, some of them are inbuilt. You know, Microsoft have its own version, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that Salesforce uh, will have its own version, possibly within Einstein or Salesforce, uh, Salesforce Lightning. Um, I said, I know Dynamics has a version of it, but IntraHive is one that I'm familiar with. And it starts to score. And I know that scoring is, again, a subjective uh, way of doing things, but it starts to kind of look at data points of influence to start to gauge how strong someone's relationship might um, might be based on email interactions, based on phone calls, based on meetings, or lack thereof. So if the conversation is one way, so I'm emailing somebody, but they, they never respond to me, uh, Interhive will make a decision, well, Alex has a relationship with that person, but is very weak, versus um, you, for example, the listeners or the, uh, the, the viewers, uh, you, you communicate with someone and they respond to your communication through the channels of email, through the channels of phone, through the channels of meetings, if you're connecting it all together, then Interhive can start to make some judgment calls around, okay, well, there's there's probably a pretty strong relationship here based on what we are, um, what we're seeing. Imagine if you could then start to, and that's, that, that obviously re- requires um, 
a third party piece of software to sit on sits on email. And that's looking at kind of the internal kind of business relationships. Imagine if we could start to then layer this and bring that social piece in, which you can, you can straight away in terms of the way the Interhive integrates and the other you know, channels integrate across um, across all those data points and bringing that into CRM. So you have that sing, you can have that single view of your Interhive score. You can see the team link relationships, but of course we don't necessarily have the strength of the, the team link relationships, but we're starting to see some interesting developments of how LinkedIn might uh, help drive that understanding of, um, of influence. To then going one step further, if we could start to bring in then those third-party data sources, maybe like a Cognizant or um, a sort of Zoom Info or RelSci, and really, really, um, or White Rabbit Intel in terms of psychographic, um, psychographic data, or David Allison, for example, and uh, what he creates with value graphics, which is looks at a different angle in terms of what we value versus putting us into um, demographics really interesting to start to look at kind of relationships and influence in a very very different way and this is then where you got technology starting to appear such as um connecting the uh connecting the dots ctd uh dot ai um founded by drew shechrist forgive me drew if i'm getting your name wrong um third number employee number 36 from salesforce um been around three years but i've just been kind of made aware of it and again, looking at those relationships, connecting the dots, as it were, looking at kind of those roots in of influence. You've got Revmo, R-E-V-M-O dot app, which is another one um, being, uh, being created again to look at facilitate those introductions kind of behind the scenes, if you will. So I want to get to X, Y, Z person through clever technology, you having to share your, your data and your contacts. And if you can get kind of organizational data in there, as with all these things that's um, uh, at scale, uh, they then start to, um, I haven't, I've used uh, uh, Revmo, I've played around with it, um, I haven't used Connect the Dots, but with the promise that we can stay, they, we, they can start to kind of access those maybe hidden relationships of influence to start to facilitate a, um, a, business, a business conversation. Which then brings me kind of full circle reflecting on uh, on all of this as we move into 2022 and maybe the next five to 10 years within within sales is around how do we start to give consideration if we kind of pause the, the modality of how am I going to initiate and start that business conversation. So, you know, from my perspective, if you choose to go down the cold calling route, if you choose to go down the email route, if you choose to go down the paid route, if you choose to go down the social route or all of them, that's all well and good. For me, now fundamentally has to start to come down to start to go that those sales teams that start to get clever or the revenue operations teams that start to get smart around how can we start to analyze and understand the level of influence we have start with your own organization that's a great place to start right start with what is the level of influence we have how can we start to um, get some data points to make some decisions around that so that are we actually going where where should we be going and what is fundamentally the you know, the best route in and Justin Mike, you know, Justin Michael talks about this in his book, you know, um, Tech Powers uh, Sales, which he co-authored with, with Tony Hughes, is that, you know, this is multiple touch points. 
over a given period of time, probably across multiple channels that we need to be um, need to be uh, doing. Because as much as while I'm talking about that level of uh, influence and that routine, it's then as much understanding how does that person want to be communicated with. Maybe they're more on social, maybe they're more on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Insta or TikTok, dare I say, or they're more prevalent to answering a phone call, or they're more prevalent to answering um, uh, emails. So how do we start to understand this and mine the data that we've already got to start to build out those sales relationships we have, to start to leverage the power of influence we have far more effectively? And if we just take a step back, if you look at the narrative, certainly in SaaS tech um, world, you know, if it's there's a there's a strange kind of discourse happening out there uh, around the fact that you know corporate bro has their brilliantly satirical, funny uh, channel, very very clever content that corporate bro um, creates, but it highlights a pretty bleak picture of what it's like to be in and out and out sales role at the moment and we see that you know the hiring for you know, sdrs and AEs is going through the roof but do people want to be part of that anymore do they want to to do to do that and that's a whole broader question in terms of reward in terms of culture in terms of well-being there's all sorts of things we need to take into consideration but is that also because fundamentally do we need to rewrite the rule book for actually how we sell and this isn't necessarily around one or other or this or that you know to my earlier point I repeat, I've been guilty of it. Hands up. I've been guilty of it. Anybody that has the audacity to say something doesn't work and they've never operated in that world or that environment, for me, I believe, is bordering on arrogance and fundamentally giving you the wrong, the wrong advice and, and opinion. Got to take a step back and focus on the outcomes you're trying to, trying to achieve. And in this day and age where if the research is to believe that people don't want to talk to salespeople, we then need to look at how do we reevaluate that relationship that we have as a seller with a buyer. And that's the key thing in terms of that overall relationship we have between ourselves, the sellers, and our buyers. Again, if we look at LinkedIn data, uh, looking at especially in larger, more complex deals, six, seven, eight, probably possibly north, near double figures sometimes, multiple decision makers within um, a process across maybe different different buying functions who have different agendas all comes back to this point around sales relationships and influence and that's where i believe we need to start looking at and that's where i believe that what's interesting in terms of if you look at the narrative that's starting to come out on linkedin in terms of how people are sharing much more personal insight into what they're doing, how they're thinking, what they're feeling, which then starts to enable someone to build more of a relationship with that person, more of an insight in terms of that person. Maybe that person then starts to drive more, um, in, I use the word carefully, influence again. But if somebody can then start to relate to that person because they're sharing similar life experiences, that's only going to help kind of build that overall uh, narrative that we're trying to uh, trying to piece. So I look at, you know, Tom Boston, brilliant example of an SDR from um, a sales lot, uh, whose role's actually shifted into um, what we call social sales uh, evangelist. So a role was created for him because sales lot are forward thinking <laughs> and it's brilliant to see. 
but Tom is, you know, a master at his craft in terms of creating uh, creating content, as that the previous when he was an SDR, supported by cold outreach on email and phone calls. But he was then start to be able to build, dare I say, a level of um, influence within his industry. So when people took his cold calls, it was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you, Tom. It didn't necessarily mean they were going to take a meeting or even you know, book with uh, with a sales lot, but it was that kind of one step one step forward, which then starts to get me to reflect on earlier this year when I recorded a podcast with um, uh, Justin Michael and um, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Joyce, Patrick William Joyce, PWJ. And we were talking around, okay, so the future of sales is built on relationships and influence. But fundamentally, if we take the Tom Boston example, do we need to reimagine how we sell as a collective so you have somebody that maybe is really good at social somebody that's maybe good at really good at writing email copy email copy and or paid ad copy somebody that's really good at analyzing the data points somebody that is good at picking up the phone um somebody that is uh good at understanding the cadences and the sequences that go out of a sales engagement platform and how that needs to be tweaked um, accordingly so as a collective you're then starting to create your own little market, if you will. And then at the end of the year, you have your number to hit and that's where we need to uh, to uh, to review. Yes, of course, with, you know, check-ins to see how things are, um, to see how things are, uh, are going. So this for me is then starts to come back again, full circle to what, what are we, what are we actually trying to achieve? It's, it's enabling the it's enabling the purchase. It's enabling someone to buy at the right the time in the the right time in the buying cycle. Because not everybody is in a position to buy. You could you could do all the cold calling in the world, but if they're not in a position to buy, they're never going to buy. You could do all the email outreach in the world. If they're not in a position to buy, they're not going to buy. You could do all the social outreach in the world. They're not in a position to buy. They're not going to buy. And this then comes back to this relationship and influence in sales. How can we leverage that understanding to figure out? best routine who is kind of in that buying mode or discovery mode or consideration which then comes full circle back to our understanding of our, our data to uh, inform inform all of this if we then give consideration around okay this is me talking from my perspective of a 43 year old white male uh in a, in a certain um, industry. If we then look at what's happening with um, the metaverse, if we look at what's happening with the decentralization of the, of the web, and if we also look at what's happen, you know, happening in you know, how Generation Z or Z and Generation Alpha, so that's the generation that are still at school, becoming school and college and university, but are coming through. If we look at how their relationships are built, how their level of influence operates, and how fundamentally there's this blurring, if you will, between actually the virtual world and the physical world. And each is as important as the, as the other. So the way that you need to consider this, and if you've got kids that are in the gaming world, maybe you can have a chat to them, but when they meet their friends in person, their friends also are fully aware of what their avatar is like and what kind of level of influence that person has in the, you know in the game that they're in which could be very different to the level of influence they have in, in in the real world but actually in you know in 
the gaming world in those kind of in the, the metaverse, if you will, it's a very different level of influence because they've scored some points and they've earned tokens, they've earned upgrades, they've earned this and that, which aren't possible in the in the in the in the, um, in the physical world, but are eminently possible in a world where the rules of physics and the rules of well, the rules of life, dare I say, don't um, don't exist. Which then starts to take this next concept of kind of earning influence but earning influence in a in a gaming sense versus the historical analog sense of what what will this mean in five in five years time for those of us that sell how how might we have to start reevaluating our relationships how might we start have to reevaluate how we go to you know go to market and it's not to say that cold calling will necessarily cease because it doesn't work it could be that cold calling will cease cease because fundamentally the audience which is being sold to they just don't pick up the phone full stop it's not a question they just they're not picking it up because it's a cold call irrespective of the software that's coming in potentially to kind of put paid to all this they just don't pick up the phone because they are communicating in a very, very um, different way. We look at how TikTok has kind of revolutionized the roadmap of social media. And yeah, it's the fastest growing platform on the planet um, ever. One could suggest, irrespective of what you think of Facebook, Facebook laid the foundation of this 10 plus, uh, 10 plus years ago. The pandemic certainly accelerated um, the rise of, uh, of TikTok. But it's also interesting to see how they've you know, moved from kind of that 15 second content through to three minutes content and today saw a video where you know they're bringing some of their creators together to start to create you know mini mini kind of mini feature length if that's such a thing uh content films and production to start to start to engage the audience in a different in a different way and these are relationships that have been built in a very very different way an influence that's been built yes fundamentally the concepts of influence from a social media and a following perspective but I believe we're going to see a revolution in, in this space, especially, dare I say, as the, 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 the older generation. So I'm going to call it you know, early 50s, mid 50s start to, to retire. And this, the next generation comes through and will start to just look at the, the, how they nurture and maintain their relationships, not only with each other, with their employer, but also with brands that they're going to buy from. Yeah, we've, you know, the Amazon, the Amazonification, we're making that word up, uh, or the Uberization of of business to business. You know, take a leaf out of what Seth Mars is saying or Forrester in terms of how B two B sales needs to take uh, the dynamic guided selling approach, which is fundamentally what what e commerce is doing, which comes full circle back to better data, better insight, understanding of your leverage, better insight and understanding of your audience, better in, uh, insight, understanding of the relationship you have with them, the level of influence of that relationship you have with them, and then how you can leverage that accordingly to create better, more effective top of funnel. And this then comes back to, and it is supported by, and this will be supported by that broader awareness, if you will, around what's awareness in terms of brand awareness, but again, maybe the way that is influenced could be in a very, very different way that we, we know, yeah, okay, advertising has been 
being challenged to think differently. It's being challenged to to think in a different way in terms of how it uses how it um, uh, uses data. And my brother operates in this in the data world in this space, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, it's it's it's, it's a challenge. We've got to do things differently." And again, if we reflect on way back when you know when Steve Jobs was told the iPhone, the concept of the iPod and then the iPhone would never would never work. And fundamentally, one could argue that that device coupled with access to the internet has redefined when we were told it wouldn't, I mean, the internet said it wouldn't work, right? Redefined positively and badly how society operates, you know, how, how we interconnect as human beings and, uh, and society, which is still underpinned fundamentally by relationships and influence. But we now have access to, dare I say, far more relationships than ever before. We have, I guess, an opinion on influence. All of us, I would assume, feel or believe we have some level of influence over what we do or say. And those of us that are posting things on, on social are because we want to influence people to think about our views and us in a, um, in a certain way. For me, it's now around how we start to think about how we might look at all of this narrative through a slightly different lens and start to deconstruct what has always been the way, if you will, and maybe reinvent the way that we think about how we engage and go to market to existing clients, future clients, underpinned by better, clearer understanding of our relationships across an organization that we, uh, we work for, underpinned by starting to really dig down into levels of influence and it will come you know as i said we're already starting to see this with you know products like interhive and there are other products out there um connecting the dot c c t d dot ai revmo dots app rail side to a certain to a certain extent at board level you know board x has been doing this you know historically um but it's then how do we start to really without dare i said breaching privacy because that's obviously a big a big piece here and trust is a big play in, in all of this but fundamentally for me that's where i'm starting to go and starting to want to think is this this concept of influence within our own networks and how we can start to be using that better and more effectively irrespective whatever your chosen outbound routes to market uh, is as ever, thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, welcome your thoughts, um, debate, challenge, you know, in the comments, you know, DM me on whatever platform you're going to find me on. But that for me, I think is going to be, or rather I believe is going to be where this is going to start to get really, really interesting is this level and this concept of, um, uh, of influence. So as I sign off on the, uh, where are we? Uh, 21st of, uh, of uh, December, 2021, wherever you are, I hope you have a very, mm, as one can do, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I look forward to seeing you all on the, um, 
uh, on the flip side. Thanks for listening.